Most of us like to go to the movies, the special effects, the fascinating stories, the great actors, but Hollywood can be a very disturbing place. How do we evaluate what we see? What is the message in the movie? Welcome to Evidence and Answers with author, speaker, and Christian apologist, Dr. Pat Zuckerman. Today, Dr. Zuckerman takes a look at Hollywood worldviews. We think you'll find this a very interesting topic, and it's crucial resources like these that we offer at evidenceandanswers.org. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, all at evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, here's Pat with part one of Hollywood Worldviews. Thank you, Kevin. Well, when it comes to movies and TV, some Christians believe it is worldly and we should avoid media and entertainment altogether. Others say, well, it's just entertainment. It really doesn't affect me. How should we as followers of Christ approach the whole world of media and entertainment? Well, this is an issue that many of us struggle with, and, and here's a man with tremendous experience in this arena, Ryan Gadawa. He's an award-winning screenwriter and popular lecturer on film, faith, and philosophy. He wrote the movie To End All Wars, and he's just come out with an updated and expanded book, Hollywood Worldviews, which we highly recommend. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, Brian, in this book you mentioned there are often two types of attitudes among Christian moviegoers, the cultural anorexic and the cultural glutton. Now, explain the difference between the two and how these two attitudes actually hurt our ability to impact our culture for Christ. Yeah, um, well, those metaphors are to express the two kind of extremes that I've come against in the uh, church throughout much of my artistic life, and that is that the cultural um, anorexic is the person who, because they might find certain elements bad, wrong with, you know, movies like sex and violence or whatever. They throw the baby out with the bathwater and they reject it all. They say it's all worldly, it's all bad for you, you know, etc. And they, so they're anorexic in the sense that they're not engaged in the culture, in, the, in that aspect of the culture at all. And then the other extreme would be the cultural gluttons, and those would be the Christians who, whether it's their freedom in Christ or their maturity in Christ, they consider themselves able to consume, you know, media and, and movies and TV, but they don't do it discerningly. They just sort of think, well, it's just entertainment. It's not bad. It's not going to hurt me. I'm just going to laugh. I'm going to have fun, but that's all it's about. And what those, those people don't realize is that um, art does, in fact, and movies, storytelling, does, in fact, communicate a worldview, whether you know it or not. And, the, and if you do not know it, you're not discerning it, you are more negatively affected by it because it's affecting you without you realizing it. So the purpose of writing the book for me was to sort of try to, you know, navigate between both extremes and give Christians the ability, uh, a little bit of knowledge about the background of storytelling in movies and worldviews, and help them to be able to discern the good from the bad within the media that they're consuming, so that they might not be as affected by what's bad and that they might draw from what's good because it's an imperfect world it's a fallen world nothing's perfect and so to expect perfection on any level would be you know a very legalistic endeavor that will really cut you off from the humanity created in God's image you know Brian you bring up a great point that story is a very powerful way to communicate a message so those who sit there and say well it's just entertainment well story and bringing it to life in movies is a tremendously powerful way to communicate a message that often sticks with you for many uh, many years to come absolutely as a matter of fact what I what I explain in the book is I give a little a little bit of uh, introduction to the aspects of storytelling so the educating the audience in a, in a storytelling 101 
sort of class. You know how you, you might take a class in art appreciation and they teach you a little bit about painting and composition and, and all that. And, as, and the more you understand painting, the better you appreciate Well, I do this in my book in, in terms of explaining to Christians how the nature of storytelling itself, the very structure of storytelling, embodies redemption. Now, that's not always Christian redemption. It could be secular humanistic redemption. In other words, redemption is not necessarily a Christian term, but it is a term that indicates that the recovery of something lost. And so story follows the journey usually of a one main protagonist or the hero, and on their journey of, of discovery as they seek to accomplish a goal, they, are, they run across uh, obstacles and, vi- and a villain or, you know, the antagonist. And through that, that journey and through that struggle of seeking the goal and struggling against obstacles, the hero is usually brought to the realization of something that lacks in his own uh, understanding of life or reality. And that when he fixes that lack, when he you know, uh, achieves that kind of atonement, then he's able to overcome the villain in, 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 his, uh, in his life. So sort of like overcoming the ir- internal flaw it helps you to over to accomplish your external goal and that's sort of the rough you know that's sort of the rough storyline of what most movies follow and so i go through that and i give some movies as examples to help christians be able to understand how to observe a movie and to appreciate as w- appreciate it as well as learning how to figure out how that worldview is embedded within the story yeah you bring up a great point you know that whole redemption theme is what we find throughout the Bible, not only the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but also in the stories that are told within the Bible, whether the Old Testament prophets or the parables of Jesus. That's one of the important points you bring out in your book. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if you were to look at movies of today, you know, for example, you know, some movies might have more of a Christian-like redemption. Like, for instance, uh, you know, the movie Knowing starring Nicolas Cage. It just came out on DVD, and it's the story of a... Actually, he's a non-Christian. He does not believe in God. He does not believe in God's providence. Um, He believes that that everything is chance and that life is full of suffering. And he's a scientist who soon discovers that uh, the end of the world is going to happen with this big solar flare, right? And so in his journey of seeking to save his life and save his family, he faces... At the end, you see a lot of Christian imagery of how certain people are going to be rescued from that destruction, that judgment, and um, it's a very spiritual journey where he comes to have peace with God and realizes that there is a God who is in control, etc. Now, that might be a Christian form of redemption. Um, Maybe a non-Christian form of redemption might be something, you know, uh, more along the lines of, um, oh, say you know, Public Enemies, which is a story about John Dillinger that's out right now, or maybe Harry Potter or The Hangover, which is a comedy. Um, you know, in The Hangover, it's a, it's a bawdy comedy about uh, guys who go out on a bachelor party in Las Vegas, and they party, and they wake up, and they have complete mem- loss of memory of what happened. And, of course, it, makes, it has fun with the whole, you know, debauched lifestyle but by the end of the movie, they basically come to the conclusion, they save the day, they save their friend, and they get through their problems in Las Vegas and are able to get back home in time for the hero to get married. And at the end of the story, they conclude what, what happened in Vegas stays in Vegas. But of course, what happened in Vegas was immoral fornication, drunkenness, drugs, etc. 
And the, the conclusion of the story is that, of course, you don't have to face your past. You can suppress it and pretend it doesn't exist and move on as if it didn't. And that's a form of redemption that could be, you know, humanistic, where it, you know, the bad things you do in life don't really affect you, so get over it, you know, that kind of a thing. So that might be an example of humanistic redemption. You know, those are some great examples you bring up here. Well, why is it important to understand the worldview behind movies? You kind of illustrated it here. Why is it important we understand what worldviews are, you know, what the major worldviews are, and how they play out in the movies? Well, that's another element of education. I think Christians need to, to pursue, you know, uh, the Christian Church has unfortunately been anti-intellectual for many years, uh, for many centuries, and we tend to discourage, you know, the pursuit of the intellectual such as understanding philosophy and understanding, um, yeah, basically philosophical ideas, because, you know, we, we've tended to want to be more practical, and uh, we think that that's not as relevant to real life. But the problem is, is that everyone in this world operates upon beliefs. You act based on the way you believe the world is. And therefore, um, when you understand how a person believes, you're going to be able to understand what they're going to do, how they're going to behave, and why they behave the way they behave. So it behooves us as Christians to understand some of the cultural and social influences which are rooted in philosophy or slash worldviews. So you've got worldviews like existentialism, postmodernism, you have humanism, you have Buddhism or monism. Uh, as well as Christianity. And as we, if we seek to, to find out what those worldviews are and have an education of them, we'll be able to spot them when we see them in movies. Because when they turn up, it's very obvious. You know, like I say, you know, I, I read this stuff, and so when I'm watching a movie, it stands out like a sore thumb to me. But uh, if you don't know what the worldviews are, you just think it's a story about people making choices, and you're not really discerning as you're watching. Right, you know, one of the points you make in your book, in chapter two, I believe, it's you say every story is informed by a worldview, and so every movie, being a dramatic story, is also informed by a worldview, and there is no such thing as a neutral story in which events and characters are presented objectively apart from interpretation. Explain that for us a little bit. Well, what that means is that no story uh, is is just a uh, arbitrary events that don't mean something. You could tell the same story, say a historical event, through different worldviews and make it say something different. So, for example, and this has happened a lot to, to Christian stories. For example, you know, we've seen the story of Pocahontas. If you know history, you know Pocahontas actually became a Christian, and she brought the gospel uh, to her people, and it was a very Christian story. But if you watch the movie, the car, you know, the Disney movie, Pocahontas, or the feature film, the, the New World, you know, which was out a few years back, the story of Pocahontas, you'll see that they've almost obliterated this Christianity, reduced it to a sort of a nativistic interpretation, you know, so you see her more pagan in the Disney movie. She's not Christian, she's pagan. And so there you see them telling the story of Pocahontas, but they're retelling it as if she's pagan. And so not only do we need more Christians to get involved in storytelling, to get involved in Hollywood, rather than running from Hollywood as a Sodom and Gomorrah, we need Christians going to Hollywood as a mission field of unreached peoples to be able to bring gospel stories, not just gospel stories, but to bring our Christian worldview to the stories we tell. And uh, because one story could be told from different viewpoints and communicate the exact opposite message. And unfortunately, that's what often happens. And so you have a lot of humanists who are in control of Hollywood and pagans. Therefore, they're telling stories through their humanist or pagan worldviews. And that's not a, it's not 
absolute. It's not monolithic because, of course, there are some, um, you know, there are some Christians in Hollywood affecting things. But take, for example, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Classic, Nar- you know, Narnia is the classic story, right? Well, it was pretty hard to change the message of that story. So, you know, the first movie was pretty strong and pretty clear about its Christian mo- uh, moorings. But if you look at the second movie and, and the third movie, you start to see that the Christianity is being uh, subjugated and put in the background, and it's not, it's not coming out as well. So you can see that, that they're influencing that message, and that's why it, it behooves us to be aware of that. You know, Brian, how can Christians be more discerning when they watch movies? I mean, what are some skills that they can develop here to be more discerning uh, in critiquing and understanding what's going on in the movies? things that I recommend. First is educate yourself on worldviews. Now, in my book, Hollywood Worldviews, I do give some introduction, introduction to worldviews and explanations, and then I talk about how they are shown in movies. But, uh, you know, it's, it's very cursory, and I think that you need to read a little bit more. One of the classic, small, yet readable books on worldviews is by James Sire called The Universe Next Door. And there he gives a catalog of the various worldviews that he has seen. So you need to educate yourself on the worldviews, just in general. Then you'll be able to spot it better, not only in movies and media, but when you're talking to your friends. Secondly, educate yourself a little bit on the nature of storytelling. Again, I do that in my book, but nowadays there is a revival, I think, in our postmodern culture. There's a revival of interest in story. And, you know, educate yourself a little bit on how story does embody values and, and, and views. And uh, lastly, I would say that, you know, when you watch movies, one of the biggest problems that happens is, you know, I think people in general, just we watch so much TV and movies that we just say, hey, did you see this movie? Yeah, what'd you think? I liked it. Oh, I didn't like it. And we tend to not talk much about it. And it, it's helpful to um, talk more about, well, here's what I liked about it. Here's what I didn't like. And as you start to discuss movies more, you'll find it becomes a forum to discuss ideas. And that's an exciting opportunity to learn from one another, because we might disagree and we might be wrong about our interpretation, right? Or an exciting opportunity to be able to share the truth that we believe. So, for instance, when a movie comes out and, you know, like, um, okay, say a movie like 17 Again. That was a, you know, a wonderful comedy about a guy who, who a grown-up 35-year-old who becomes 17 again magically, and he has to relive his, his high school days. And in that story, there's... It, it is an unusual story in that it really is pro-abstinence in relation to sex, waiting till marriage and making the right moral choices. And of course, in this society, that is really unusual. And that becomes an opportunity. You can say, oh, I love the movie. It was funny. It was good romance. It was good. It, was, it gave a good message about love and what real love is, which is a mature decision. It's not immature children having sex. It's making mature decisions, et cetera, et cetera. And you are able to talk about your values that you agree with the movie and where you disagree. And that's an opportunity to share the gospel as well as the Judeo-Christian worldview. Yes, you know, you bring up a great point. That's how, can, how we can be engaged in the culture and in the ideas of the culture. I've had many a great opportunity to uh, not just share my faith, but also, you know, my particular worldview and uh, reasons why I believe what I believe in discussing movies like Star Wars and Star Trek and yes. uh, Million Dollar Baby and things like that. It provides great opportunity if you understand and you know what you're looking for, as you just described. And I, I do go one step further, though, and I do say, you know, it's not just mo- watching movies. Storytelling is the most primeval aspect of truth and understanding God. The Bible itself 
is a story. It's God's story told to us through many different genres, whether it's horror, epic, comedy, it's all in the Bible. God communicates his theology through story primarily in the Bible. And so realizing that story is one of the best ways of communicating truth and knowledge, uh, I, I think it's more than just spot that worldview, like watch the movie, spot the worldview and critique it. What I'm saying is, yes, we need to be critiquing what we disagree, but there's also good in movie that is, a lot of good in movies that we can draw from, draw affirmation and draw depth from. So for instance, go see a movie like The Proposal, and it's fun, it's funny, it's a romantic comedy, but it also reinforces some powerful understandings of men, difference between men and women, and it, it goes against the typical feminist interpretation of male-female relationships, and it really gives a, a, a strong picture of a strong male in a relationship. Or the, let's put it this way, the need for the male to be strong. And I think that that's very affirming uh, in a deep, profound way to myself when I watch that movie. So you see, it's more than just engaging in cultural critique, it's also drawing truth from it in a way that affirms us. Yes, you know, you also give the example of Christians often having a knee-jerk reaction to certain movies, uh, for example, Harry Potter. You know, we understand there's some occult uh, methodology, some occult imagery in there, so we, we immediately call for the boycott of the movie. And you say this kind of reaction steers us out of the cultural conversation. Yes. Uh, now, of course... You know, in my book, I try to I look at the Bible and I try to draw principles, not not hard fast rules, but just principles of uh, from the Bible to discern at what point does the depiction of sin and evil in stories become exploitative rather than exhortative? Because you see, the Bible is full of sex, violence, and profanity. In some places, it's rated R. And I give biblical exegesis to support that. Mm -hmm. However, there are some principles, there are some points in which the Bible does not go beyond. And so by understanding how the Bible deals with sex, violence, and profanity, then we can apply that to what, how we watch movies and interact. And so, so at, at some point, yes, something may be too extreme, too you know, extreme in its portrayal, or too exploitative of sin, such as, I might argue, the new movie Bruno, which... It does make fun of the homosexual subculture, but it also celebrates it, and it's excessively, um, you know, it's excessively so, such that I think it's exploitative. Uh, whereas a movie, you might argue, a movie like Harry Potter, I, I just don't watch Harry Potter movies because I just don't think they're good movies. They're, they're <laughs> stupid and boring to me. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, in principle, I'm not against it because, of course, the Bible has a cult in it. Uh, not only that, but the Bible has parables of occult-like nature, where you have talking trees and talking brambles and, and all this kind of stuff. And so if you're using it as a metaphor to communicate truth in our real world, I'm not inherently against that. The problem comes when, um, you know, the values communicated in that. So in Harry Potter, the question is, are they communicating values that are, you know, and I think, I, I think ultimately it's a mixture. Harry Potter communicates some Christian values of courage, friendship, love, honor, etc. But, you know, it probably also communicates some other values that are bad, like, um, you know, the ends may justify the means. It's not, you know, you shouldn't always follow the, the rules or do the right thing, etc. So those arguments could be made. Um, but, I, I, yeah, just the presence of the occult in a movie or the presence of sexuality 
or what profanity movie, it should not turn a Christian off because the Bible has violence, sex, and profanity as well. Yes, you know, many feel that sex, violence, and profanity ruins all movies. But you state you've got to look at the context. Uh, explain that to us a little bit. Yeah, it's the context that determines whether or not the, the, the sin depicted in the movie is exploitive or exhortation. Uh, so I give some examples that, you know, try to make that point um, in a way that's, that's very clear. So I, I give examples, for instance, you know, um, uh, let me give some examples. I, 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 don't, I try not to tell people, this movie's bad, this movie's good, you should see this movie, you shouldn't see that movie, because as adults we have disagreements. But I try to give examples of where I think movies might be exploitative so you can get, put skin and bones on, on the skeleton. So, for instance, you know, the Bible does deal with violence, okay? For instance, there's a lot of violence in the Bible, okay? But does the violence, you know, does, is it there as entertainment? Is it used to encourage it? You know, this kind of, these questions you ask, so you might see a movie, for instance, like Schindler's List. In Schindler's List, a very violent movie about Nazi atrocities and the Holocaust, right? Couldn't be anything worse than that. But I think that that's, that movie shows violence in a good way because it makes you repulse at the violence, and you say, this is not the way things should be. We must change the world. We must make it not like this. That's good. That's biblical use of violence. It repulses you. But you might take another movie that has an equal amount of violence, no more violence, like, say, Kill Bill or Kill Bill 2, where it's, you know, Quentin Tarantino's movie is all about just using creative ways of killing people with swords and making it look like a dance and like a, making it look pretty. You know, it's, it's sort of like coming up new, with new ways of killing people to look cool or entertaining. You know, if, if that's the case, then you might say, well, that's exploitation because uh, it's not using violence in a biblical way of turning people off to man's inhumanity against man, but it's rather exploiting it and making it for entertainment value only, and it encourages it rather than discouraging it. Yeah, you know, there's a big difference between the uh, slasher movies and the violence we see in a movie like Braveheart or the letters uh, from Iwo Jima or Saving Private Ryan. You know, there's a big difference there that you pointed out, which is just great. Exactly. Same thing goes with sexuality. Yes, of course, if it's pornographic and it's showing nudity and it's, that violates scriptural imperatives, but a movie can deal with sexuality and not necessarily be showing the body parts. Uh, they, it does it all the time. A lot of television does it. A lot of television deals with sexuality without showing it. So dealing with the issue of sexuality is biblical, but how you deal with it, how far you go with it, that's when it becomes uh, distortive, and that's what you have to be careful about. Well, I'm sure you've been fascinated with this interview uh, this is Brian Godawa, award-winning screenwriter and popular lecturer on film, faith, and philosophy. He's got a great book that we're promoting here, Hollywood Worldviews. Now, Brian, in our closing moments, could you tell us, uh, as a Christian then, how do I select my movie, and when I'm sitting there watching it, what kind of questions should I be asking? Very good question. If you have, if you have a family, if, you have, if you're sensitive to a lot of issues, you, know, you might find one of these Christian... Um, websites that give reviews of movies like I think Focus on the Family has one and uh, I think Ted Bear's Movie Guide does so as well. I don't necessarily agree with them in everything and I think sometimes you know they're, they're counting how many obscenities and, and detailing here's all the acts of sexuality that occur in the movie and uh, like I said the fact that that stuff is in the movie isn't what makes it bad. What makes it bad is the context. You have to be careful but 
if you know your own sensitivity to those issues, something like that might help you so you know you're not going to be surprised when you walk into it. So that might help to know in advance. Uh, when you're watching the movie, ask yourself some things when you're watching the movie. Find out who's the hero and look at that hero and say, okay, what's wrong with the way he sees the world in the beginning? He's a good guy, but there's, there's going to be something wrong with the way they see the, the world. What is it? And then what is he after? What is he going after? Ask yourself these questions and watch it. And then watch how his obstacles keep him from achieving what he wants. And near the end of the movie, watch and see at what point does he make a choice to give up something in order to attain a higher good. At what point does he realize what's wrong with him? And that's the moment of redemption, because if he chooses to change and be a different person, then you see what the story is saying about, about life. Look for the villain. The villain is, obviously, in a movie, the villain is the worldview that the storytellers don't want you to believe. And so look for the point where the villain gives his rationale to the hero. He says, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's usually near the end. And he sort of spells out his philosophy. And that's what tells you, okay, that is the view of the world that the storytellers don't like. Those are some of the things you can do as you're watching a movie and trying to discern what the worldview is. And, um, you know, buy my book and it'll, it'll give you more, more help in that area. <laughs> Yes, the book is Hollywood Worldviews by Brian Godawa, and he'll be with us back next week as we critique some of the most popular films coming out now. Thank you so much for joining us on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. It's our hope to keep a quality program on the air and on the web that presents an intelligent response to the issues of our day and demonstrates the truth of the claims of Christ. If you agree, please support us with your prayers and gifts. One of the ways you can do that is by purchasing our resources available at evidenceandanswers.org. You'll educate yourself and your family, and you'll help us keep expanding. You can download past shows on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, read Pat's articles, and purchase Pat's new book with Dr. Norman Geisler, The Apologetics of Jesus, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Go there today. I'm Kevin Harris. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers.